Maria Bodnar is a retired nurse living in Victoria, Australia with her husband. In 2013, Maria went in for her routine breast screen test. The following day, she received a phone call from one of the nurses asking her to come in so that they could review her results, and Maria knew it was breast cancer. Maria is a participant in the TOGETHER clinical trial, which aims to find out if adding tocatnib and pembrolizumab to the usual treatment given to people with advanced HER2-positive breast cancer slows down the growth of the cancer. We spoke to Maria about her diagnosis and her decision to participate in a clinical trial. My name is Maria Bodner. I live in Maribyrnong, Victoria. Um, I'm a retired nurse. So I have two children. I've been married for 48 years, almost 49 years. We have two children. We have a son who is 45 years old. He's married. Got four beautiful daughters. The oldest one is 15 and the youngest one is eight, going to be nine. They live in Brisbane, so unfortunately we don't see often them as often as we would like to, especially during the COVID, that was really hard time because we did face up, but that's not the same as having them around here and getting cuddles. So they're really beautiful, they're lovely. They're actually coming in May again to visit us. And I have a daughter who lives in here locally. She's unmarried, she's 43. And I have sister and I have brother that are very supportive as well. And I got a few very good friends that are always offering me ear so I can whinge if I want to, <laughs> complain about it. And I mean, luckily sort of I have friends that are health professionals. So when I talk to them about something, they understand what I'm saying, you know, like, and I got one very good friend, she's oncologist. So usually sort of like when I was going for craniotomy, I was thinking, oh my God, what shall I do? Shall I do it or not? And she says, oh, that will help you, Maria, it's good. A lot of women had it and it works okay. So it's sort of reassuring and sort of sometimes providing advice and all that. But often it's just sort of having somebody who understands and sort of offering that ear to, so I can vent. What I do with myself, I rest, I go to Peter McCallum, I look after my husband, look after my house, socialize with my friends, family. That's about all. I read sometimes, but I find that my concentration is not the best lately. I like to watch movies, mainly on YouTube, anything relaxing. Occasionally when my husband and I are okay, we'll go for drives. So yeah, we used to enjoy camping and all that but we can't do it anymore. So that's about it. I go to church, try to go regularly. I pray sometimes, not always. That's it. So how are you feeling and what led up to your initial diagnosis of breast cancer? Okay, so I was diagnosed in 2013 and it was diagnosis were made on the routine breast screen test. Uh, when I had a phone call from breast screen, I was at work, they rang me up, they said, oh, you need to come, we have to review your scans. I said, oh, let me have a look in my diary, see when I'm free. And um, she's, the lady said to me, Mrs. Bodner, you don't understand, we want you to come in tomorrow. I said, yeah, okay. I said, I need to sit down for this one. She says, yeah, you better. She said, you got cancer. But when I had ultrasound, I saw ultrasound and I saw my cancer, I knew I had 
Sutra was aware that they had cancer. So yes, I went there, I had biopsy, had the surgery, started chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and kept on going for the last 10 years. How were you feeling when you were first diagnosed with breast cancer? So I was diagnosed with the stage two, uh, HER2 positive, estrogen positive breast cancer of my right breast in 2013. I often say that I'm not really normal because it didn't really affect me the way some people, like a lot of people cry and they feel sorry. I sort of sat there and analyzed my situation. It might be because I worked in the field in oncology, I've seen so much, so I thought to myself, yeah, so one of those women that has breast cancer, so what can you do about it now? And I remember at the time when I was in there, a surgeon was there and he says, oh, you need the surgery. I said, when can you do it? He said, how about this Saturday? I said, fine, book me in. So I just looked, I started reading, what, what can I do? How can I manage that? So I changed my diet. I followed a sort of a doctor into naturopath and all those sort of things. And I chosen the option to be positive, to take one day at a time and hope for the best. And it worked for me so far. And how did your diagnosis affect your family and those around you? I think my husband took it hard, the same my family. And I think the way I informed my family, possibly it was a cruel way because we had a dinner. I invited them all over for dinner because they didn't want to go to everyone individually and say, hey, I got the breast cancer. So we had dinner and after dinner we had a talk and that's when I informed them. So they were all teary and upset and that sort of upset me. And I mean, I still can't. I can't take people pitying me or sort of crying. I'm sort of better just get busy, get a, a sort of work and work through it and don't think about it. Everything's okay. I think there is still a lot of people that see cancer and associated with that. You know, you have cancer and you're dying, but it's not so. You know, people live for many years, you know, with cancer and they have good quality of life and all that. But I guess sometimes for some people it's a bit hard to comprehend that and to understand. And I guess when it's somebody in the family that you love, it makes it a bit harder. So how did you first find out about the TOGETHER clinical trial? Well, I was first introduced or I was informed about TOGETHER trial by my oncologist and she thought that that's a good way for me to go and provided me with information and I did my own internet research. So I looked at the drugs, look what they're doing. And my oncology thought that immunotherapy especially would help because that would work on my immune system, help my body to fight the cancer. So I read all that. I was a bit concerned about side effects and we discussed all those side effects because they gave me the consent form with all the information. So I read through it and I highlighted things that I didn't know. So we discussed all that and she explained to me and I was happy. So whenever we can start, I said, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Well, I believe it's running for two hours, for two hours, for two years. But uh, if I'm doing okay and if it works on me, I can stay on the treatment further if it keeps cancer under control. That's my understanding of it and what, what I read in the consent form. So I had complication. 
after surgery because I built up a lot of fluid, lymph uh, things, uh, swelling. So I was one of those patients that was wearing draining tube for six weeks uh, because it kept on draining. So when that healed, uh, I mean, I worked with oncologists. So first thing I did from the breast screen, I rang the oncologist that I worked with. They said, I got breast cancer, I need a doctor. He says, come into my office and we'll talk about it. So after the surgery, when I healed, I started chemotherapy. First line, so I had that for six weeks, six uh, cycles, and I finished that. Then I had started tamoxifen, oral uh, hormone, and I continued with Herceptin because I had two positive cancer. I had six weeks of radiotherapy. That went pretty well. Sort of didn't have mind, just side effects. And I mean, I worked right through it, so I, because I worked at Footscray Hospital, and radiotherapy was at Western Private, so I would go during working hours, go to the hospital, they zap me, and I come back and go in the office and continue business as usual. So I was good, I was on Tamoxin for four years, so I was sort of in remission, and I was very happy. And then one day at work, I went for a dinner, and I bought myself salad in the cafeteria, and come in the office and I felt really nauseous. And I thought, oh, that's unusual because nausea is not something that bothers me. And I talked to social work. I said, oh, I had this salad in the canteen and I feel really funny. And you know? she says, oh, Maria, you should know better than that. You know, you should never buy salad in the cafeteria. But next morning I got up and I was nauseous again and it got getting worse. I thought, oh, this is not salad. So I went to my GP, had um, ultrasound. I had the blood test show my liver enzymes were elevated. So then I had ultrasound of my liver, which showed multiple metastases. And that sort of hit me because I sort of felt that maybe I wasn't doing the right things because cancer starts spreading. And again, I went to see oncologist and had the liver biopsy and started again next lot of chemotherapy. And that worked well. Then I started coughing. I went, went overseas on a trip overseas and I kept on coughing, just irritating cough. Didn't know what's happening. So uh, came back and went to see again my doctor. And there was an oncologist doctor that I worked with uh, at Western Health. And she says, oh, maybe you should go to Peter McCallum, you know, so because there was this new trial, Destiny 2. So they made a referral for me, I went there, they did the CT scan, you know, pre-trial screening and all that. And they found on the scan that I had lung metastasis and I had brain metastasis. So before starting my destiny thing, I had to have radiotherapy to my frontal lobe and to right lobe, temporal lobe for metastasis. And then when that settled down, when I had that washout after radiotherapy, I started Destiny trial and I was on it for about 20 months. It worked well. I had a PET scan about eight months after I started Destiny trial and it showed no evidence of cancer, you know, so it was fantastic. Unfortunately, it lasted only about one month or two months and of course cancer came back. So I was off the Destiny trial and started on standard treatment, TDM1, and I was on that for almost two years, again, did well, but then my cough got worse. So um, I had a bronchoscopy, which showed that cancer on my lung has spread. 
And that's what Dr. Loy thought that I maybe I should try different trials. So she tried me, oh God, I got K, I think K or something, the trial, but I didn't qualify for that because uh, my PDL1 was negative and it should have been PDL1 positive. So I didn't qualify for that. And then now when this trial started, she said I was without chemo for two months. And when together started, so then I got worked up and I got accepted for that. So I got, Four weeks ago, I had my first cycle of together. So at first, first at first, it was a bit tough. Side effects were a little bit harsh. Uh, but I had second cycle last Thursday, and this time I'm doing a lot better. I feel sort of, they reduced slightly because one of the drugs is capsaicin, and it affected my stomach a little bit too much. So they reduced the dose by 20%, and that seems to be Good thing to do. So, yeah, so yeah. So today is what, five days since I had cycle two and I'm doing well, so that's great. And why did you decide to participate in a clinical trial? Well, I believe clinical trials are very good. I don't think I would be here today if the women didn't have a septum trial because I would have been dead years ago. So I think it's good because it's here, it's available. I don't have to buy great amount of money for the new drugs. It's uh, my hope is that it will help me, but also the results from the trial will help people after me because I'm here today because people were on the trial, they were trialing those drugs, they sort of found out what worked and what didn't work, how does it work and so yeah. With Peter McCallan, I mean, regardless whether I was on clinical trial or was on standard, I had most exceptional care. I mean, I have fantastic oncologists and nursing staff. Contact is very good. I find with the trial, it's possibly more support, like we communicate regularly uh, through email because I find it's a lot easier. But then always they tell me, oh, I'm only phone call away. And such so if I have a problem and I ring up, like when, after first cycle, when I ring up, doctor rang me up straight away the same afternoon. I have continuity of care, which is very important to me because I've been seeing the same oncologist for last four years. And it's sort of, we build rapport, so I feel relaxed. I feel really safe with him. I know I'm in good care, so. My doctor releases all the scans, uh, results, and my blood test and everything because I like to see everything what's happening. Because, you know, because uh, when she tells me it's good, but when I read the report myself, I understand it better. And for me, it's important to have all the facts to know what's happening in my body. So how does it feel knowing that you could help to improve the lives of women going through a breast cancer diagnosis in the future? I guess, I mean, it's important for me because it's my life, but I guess working also in oncology for so many years and watching what women went through, I think new drugs, a new kind of treatment and prolonging people's life, improving quality of life and all that. And if we can help that, that will be good. I used to always tell my patients when I was looking after them that you have to be here because there's always new drug. And I I mean, cancer is sort of neochronic disease. It's not anymore. You hear letter C and that's that sentence, you know, it's a sort of treatable. And some women are living for years and years and years with cancer and they're being treated and it's, 
I think so. It's very important. I think the more new drugs we have and the more availability of the treatment, it's better for the older cancer patients, not only breast cancer, but all other cancers. I'm usually a positive person anyway. I try sort of to look at half glass full, not half glass empty. And as I said earlier, sort of like when I was diagnosed, I sort of, I felt I had two options. Option one was maybe just give up and say, okay, I'm dying, that's it, you know, uh, sort my affairs and just go. Option two was to be positive, see what I can do, get the treatment, what's available, sort of live one day at a time, you know, and today is a good day and it's fantastic and tomorrow is not so good day, so I'm miserable and cranky and irritable and everything else, you know. But, um, and I think option two worked for me being positive because I don't think, I mean, stress is a big contributor to cancer. So I sort of try not to overstress over that and not, not to think, oh my God, in two years time, I'm not going to be here. You know, I'm here today and I make the most and I don't know, tomorrow I might go on the street and come and run over me or something, you know, and that's it, you know, so it won't be cancer that kills me, it'll be something else, you know, so yeah. And what would you say to someone who is thinking about participating in a clinical trial? Well, I think it's important for me because it's a new drug. Like, I think the semen that I'm getting, you know, it's not available yet in Australia. And as far as I know, it costs quite a bit of money to do that. So I'm privileged to have the drug that will potentially help me. And once it proves on the trial that this drug is effective for people with breast cancer like mine, it will be approved and it will be on PBS and it will be treatment available as a standard treatment for other people. If someone was thinking about donating to breast cancer trials or supporting our research, what would you say to them? Well, I think with any treatment or trial or anything, financial money backup is very important. So supporting cancer research or supporting any cancer sort of any research, it's very important to, uh, to find it so people can fund. It does help with, the, with this trial, helps to fund it, especially for people that don't have money to pay for it. I mean, I was contacted recently, uh, what's the name about fundraiser and such, I can't afford to give big money, but I have decided to give a little bit every month towards the research sort of so to help other. And I guess every little $5 or $10, everything counts because when it comes together, it's it's a help. And do you have any fears and hopes for the future? Fears? I have no fears. I have, I have accepted my mortality. I know that uh, sort of happens, so I'm not, uh, I would like to be around when my granddaughters grow up. I would like to see them growing up and I would like to enjoy life. But the product, no. As far as fears, I mean, I have no fears. I take it, you know, and I know they will come that I will be told, well, there is not much else we can do for you. That's okay. And I mean, when I had my brain metastasis, I thought that's, that's it. You know, because I thought oh, I'm not going to pull out through this one, but I did. I had radiotherapy, I had craniotomy and all that sort of thing. And I survived and I'm good. So yeah, so I'll keep on going. I'll just enjoy as much as I can. Travel when I can. Unfortunately, I can't travel much with my husband because he's unwell. Uh, sort of, he depends on dialysis. So I was talking yesterday with my sister, we might go on the train trip to Darwin. So something to look forward to.
That was retired nurse and Together trial participant Maria. If you would like to learn more about breast cancer trials or you'd like to support our life-saving research, follow us on social media or visit our website at breastcancertrials.org.au.